His name was Ezekiel, and he lived six centuries before Jesus. He was a prophet to the people of God. He was a prophet in what we refer to the seer tradition. God gave him visions of the spiritual reality that was helping explain some of the physical reality. The people were, had become distant from God. In fact, trouble was right around the corner. They were going to be drawn off into captivity by the Babylonians very soon. And God gave Ezekiel these amazing pictures. I don't know if you've ever read through Ezekiel, but it will make your mind spin. In one of the visions, the Lord took him to a precipice and looked down over a valley, and it was filled with dry bones. We refer to it today as the Valley of Dry Bones. Now remember, this is a vision. He's not necessarily at a place. He goes down and he walks among them. It's kind of like a spiritual cemetery. It's a depiction of what's going on in the people's lives. And God asks Ezekiel in the middle of the vision, can these bones live? Somewhat of a rhetorical question and maybe a faith question. And Ezekiel, even though he's a crazy one, plays it safe. He says, well, only you know, God. And God says, I want you to prophesy and preach the good news to these skeletons. And this is what you are to say, O dry bones, hear the word of God. As he began speaking in the vision, the bones began rattling. They began coming back together. Flesh and ligaments started going on them. But in the vision, there still was no breath. So there was no life. And the Lord commanded him again, preach to the breath. Speak to the winds, and the four winds began flowing in, and the skeletons covered with flesh stood to their feet, and Ezekiel said, it was like a vast army was before me. And then God gave this interpretation. God doesn't always give us the interpretation to the visions he brings. Sometimes that comes down the road, but he said this, I will put my spirit in my people, and you will live. I, the Lord, have spoken. We're in our third week on the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's Pentecost Sunday. I have the same excitement for Pentecost Sunday that I have for Resurrection Sunday, because it's a significant moment in the redemptive history of God's people. It's when what I would call a group of dry bones became the body of Christ. Even though they'd experienced the resurrection of Christ, they were still stuck in a pre-Pentecost state. And in one event, the people of God became the body of Christ, full of life, and became an army, not an army unto death, but an army unto life. And Pentecost is still speaking into us today, and so we need to explore it together. Let's go to the text. For some of this, you, this is... The 80th time you've gone to this passage, some of you it may be the first time, so we need to take a few of the elements apart. I'll kind of come in out of preaching and teaching today. Uh, I love this passage, and I love how it just speaks of God's presence to us. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So what is this day of Pentecost? In Jesus' day, there were three primary religious festivals that they followed. There was Passover, which celebrated their freedom out of Egypt. There was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was the first fruits, so fruitfulness. 
And this was Shavuot, or Pentecost, which literally means 50 days. 50 days after Passover, they would come together, and it was celebrating the new covenant that was coming, so it was flourishing. Now, those of you who were here three weeks ago when we started, you heard those words. Freedom, fruitfulness, flourishing. I have no idea why I used those three words three weeks ago. Some, one of you came to me and said you had a vision of flourishing that day, so I thought it was for you. It had no plan on saying it, never really developed them. But as I studied this week, I realized there were three festivals in Jesus' day which were about freedom, fruitfulness, and flourishing. And I sense God wants to release a new level of flourishing in us. In the same way the Spirit hovered over creation, in the same way the Spirit hovered over Mary, in the same way the Spirit hovered over that Pentecost church, He's hovering over us today. He's here and He wants to release something to you, to us. Uh, it says there, they, uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So what were they doing? If you go back to chapter 1, uh, verse 14, it says they were all together in one room praying. And what were they praying for? Before Jesus ascended into heaven, 10 days previous, Jesus said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Now, he'd already been setting it up. We have clues of it in John last week. Uh, we see it in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is making the Spirit of God accessible to the people. I'm about to leave, and there's going to be the presence of God who's going to come in a unique manifestation. And they're waiting there and they're praying because Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is the primary movement of God. God's heart is for us to be a reflection of His bounty in this world. And He says, don't go out and try to speak for me until this manifestation comes upon you. Verses 2 to 4. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to break this apart from you, but the most important phrase here is that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's going to preach after this passage, and he's going to connect it back to the prophecy of Joel. And Joel said, in the latter days, I'm going to come to you, and I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters and even your servants are going to prophesy. The manifestation of God is going to come through all people, and they had been waiting for it. And now the Holy Spirit comes upon the people of God in a fresh way. Just real quickly. Previously, the Holy Spirit was working, but usually through the leaders. Now the Spirit is being released beyond the leaders to all people, that they would become the witness of Jesus Christ in the world. Now, there were three manifestations. Uh, let me just start here. Why does God manifest by His Spirit? Because he wants us to know that he's working, he's spirit. Let, let me just ask you this. Has anyone here seen the wind? 
You have to think about it for a minute, right? Because you've seen the effects of the wind. You've seen trees blown over. You've seen debris going across the ground. But you never can say you've seen the wind. Uh, Apart from a cold day, have you ever seen your breath? Uh, When you have a new baby, uh, I imagine you guys probably do this. I remember doing it all the time. When that baby sleeps, which you've been longing for for such a long time, and then they sleep too long, you're thinking, is that baby still alive? And you risk waking that baby up by going in there. And you don't look at the baby's nose and mouth, you look at the lungs. There's a manifestation. God manifests for this reason. He's always present, but he's not always obvious. He's engaged in everything in our life, but he's not manipulating. There's moments he wants to quicken us because he's doing something fresh. And they get three, a sound, sight, and speech. It's like a rushing wind. It's not a wind, it's like a rushing wind. When God's spirit moves, it might not actually be something, but you sense that something is happening. It's like tongues divided fire upon the people's heads, and they actually speak in other tongues. Now, these aren't the only manifestations. Oh, this is great. I got lots of time. So, I'm not preaching now, so this doesn't count to the end time. (laughs) I'm going to teach a little bit, and this is not the now what, so those of you who think you're going home really soon, just kind of settle in a little bit. Here's where we're going. God, by His Spirit, manifests in different ways to quicken us. Um, Like tongues of fire, you can get heat. Some of you who have the gift of healing, God will release the gifts of healing of Jesus through you. You'll be ready to pray for something and you'll get heat in your hand. Happened to me a week ago. Prayed for a person who hasn't been able to exercise for a long time. Got a text from them on Monday saying, I'm on the trail, I'm walking. It was God making me aware that this was what he wanted to do. Some of you will get urges in your back. You know that something's happening. That's the gift of discernment that there's something spiritual that's threatening in the space. Overwhelming peace will come over us. We've had those moments during communion when we felt light. And you can't explain it. It's not really that you became lighter. There's moments when the glory of God, the word for glory in Hebrew is weighty. You almost feel like your arms are going to fall under the glory of God. Now, some of you are going, I've had those experiences. I'm not crazy. It's God working in me and through me. But the point is not the manifestation. This is where the church has messed up on this whole thing throughout the centuries. We get concerned about the manifestation and fail to uh, miss, we miss the point that God is doing this to make us alert to his manifest presence. And we start seeking the manifestation. So what happens, we end up either one of two camps. Um, charismata is the Greek word for the gifting of God, and so there came this phrase, the charismatics. Well, the charismatics became the charismaniacs. <laughs> what happened was we became so anxious for the experience, we became all about the experience. And even false doctrines were developed. A whole group of people said that the only sign that proves that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is if you speak in tongues. 
The problem is when you read the book of Acts, that is not the only sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the most common one is that they spoke the word of God boldly. And we start manipulating and we want to box God and we get him into a design. If we can just get this experience, then everything will be all right. And we end up crushing some people because they didn't have a certain experience that I had. And they're wondering, is the Holy Spirit operating in me? God moves in all of us in different and unique ways. There may seem be some patterns. Now, what happens because of the charismaniacs is we got the charisphobics over here. <laughs> Screwy things happened over here, so we said, I'm shutting that thing down. And then you add our cultural piece. I am doomed to any kind of emotional experience. I'm Welsh. I grew up in middle America, and now I've lived in New England for 11 years. <laughs> the minute the word dance comes up, my hands go in my pocket. I'm afraid. This is going to get emotional. But that's happened to us, and here's what happens. We sometimes close to the work of the Spirit. But God's still moving this way. People are still getting hit with the Spirit and getting new tongues. There are people still getting hit with the Spirit and having a sensation that takes them to a new space. But it's not about the experience. All right, that's enough teaching. I just want you to be mature believers walking in the Spirit forward. When we see that it's not about the experience, we ask, so what was your purpose, Lord? And it's very clearly in the next few verses. Verse 5, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then it goes on and lists the different languages that are there. Every nation was gathered. This is God's heart. God is not a tribal God. God is not a provincial God. God is the God of the nations. He brings people together primarily for the purpose of the people that aren't a part of their group yet. God calls us together to be witnesses of his love so those who haven't experienced his love can come and get it. His purpose for his people throughout all the Old Testament is that they would be a light to the other nations. In fact, the prophets begin critiquing them. Why have you failed in this task? They're supposed to be a light to the other nations. And so what God does is he gathers all the nations under one festival, Pentecost, and they're all there. And as these people get this unique tongue that they're speaking, all the others are hearing it in their own language. And they're surprised because they can hear it. God is fulfilling his plan. At that moment, he's undoing the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, you remember that story from the Old Testament? Folks, this all ties together. This is an incredible story. Keep reading it. It's an incredible story. God looked at us and he said, my creation, you are off base. You're trying to create a name to yourself. And a group of people came together and said, let's build a tower to heaven and then we will be like God. We will come and like him. And God says, you can't do that. I want to give you a name. You can't make a name for yourself. So he inflicted them all with different languages and they spread about. We've been living in division around the world because of our rebellion long ago. And now God says, bring all the nations into Jerusalem. And he has all of them here, a significant message in their own language. 
I've yet to see someone get divisive. I've heard a lot of division over the gift of tongues. How about the gift of ears? They all were hearing it. And what were they hearing? It says it in verse 11. We hear them telling in our tongues the mighty works of God. God's design for his people is that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they'd be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God comes upon us that we would be the people that pass his message out to the ends of the earth. This is the so what now, what now. Those of you getting hungry, get ready for it. God's doing some mighty things through this church. Your best chapters are yet to come. He's going to do it by His Spirit. But I can't help but imagine when we gather to worship here, a group this large, and with some of the things that I experienced this week that there's some dry bones in this space. Personally, maybe in your family, I know in our community, in our nation, and the only thing that's going to make a difference is if we will open ourselves to the hovering Holy Spirit. let him do his work in us. You see, I find it very easy for me to live as a pre-Pentecost Christian many times in my life. What do I mean by that? I know who Jesus is. I know he died on the cross for me. I know he rose over the sin. I know he's ascended into heaven but I don't live fully into this Pentecost event. Happened once and for all, it's part of redemptive salvation, but gets repeated in my life every day when I open myself up to the Lord. But it means I'm gonna have to lose control. Well, there is the American God. I'm going to tell you, to be honest, don't ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit if you have any fear of looking stupid. Because the truth of the matter is, God will ask you to do some things that will stretch your comfort zone, and the rest of the world will look on and say, are you crazy? They accused the early church of having drunk wine early in the morning. And even the pagans were prophesying. They didn't know it because they said they drunk the new wine. Yeah, they were drinking the new wine. It was the Holy Spirit. 
God will take false prophets and speak his word through them, even when they don't know it. So Pentecost 2018, just about 2,000 years later, what does the hovering spirit want to do in our lives together? I don't know how many of you watched the royal wedding yesterday. I did. I watched it as far as I could. I DVR'd it because I had a number of ministry things in the morning and knew I was going to go back uh, later in the day. Got up to the preaching part and knew I didn't want to stop at the preaching, so I stopped right there. Went and watched Manchester United lose to (laughs) Chelsea. Obviously not filled with the Holy Spirit. Went back and put the wedding on after a full day and got to the best part, the preaching of God's word, Christ crucified and risen. Whew. The vows, you see the love dripping off of those two. But then I got wasted. They all stood up and sang, Guide me thou, O great Jehovah. The queen sang it, the princess sang it, and the very last panning of the camera was on Harry and Meghan singing it. And the reason I was weeping because I thought, Lord, what if they really believed it? I am not the judge of spiritual character. But when I see the panning around and the famous people that are in there, I can't help but think our world would be different if all those people believed that Jehovah was guiding us. I hate to be presumptuous in owning other people's history, but I will. There's only one reason that God blessed that great land and gave it such an impact around the world, it's because it was the initiation of the modern missions movement. God made them great because they were carrying his word to the nations, even though they didn't realize it. And I thought, what would happen if the Holy Spirit would make those words really alive to them again? And then immediately I came to my own context I'm not a big fan of Manifest Destiny. If you don't know what that means, forget it. But those of you who do, you know what I'm saying. But I do believe God has blessed us as a people for one sole reason, that we would be a witness to our neighbors and to the nations. That is it. He didn't create this for us to luxuriate in our spiritual experiences. He's made this happen so the glory of Jesus would move out to all nations and all people. That's why I wept. And then I thought this, what if at Stanwich Church tomorrow morning we really believed that the Holy Spirit were hovering over us and we really lost control 
that would be a chapter I would really love to witness. And so I finish with the blessing of that pastor at the end who said, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you all and remain with you all that Jesus would be glorified. Amen.